Hanukkah is a, a celebration of victory of the powers of good over the powers of evil. And this is what we've been struggling about as Jewish people. Welcome to the Holy Sparks podcast. Our mission is to illuminate the brightest lights in the Jewish world and beyond so that we elevate the Holy Sparks within us and make the world around us a better place. I'm your host, Saul Kay. If you're looking for inspiration, edutainment, or simply want to discover people doing amazing things in and around the Jewish world, you're in the right place. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, Saul Kay here with a very special guest. I'm so honored and humbled to be of service today and create this podcast. And without further ado, let me edify the man properly. Rabbi Gershom Sizomu is the chief rabbi of the Abu Daya community of Uganda and serves as the Av Beit Din, the head of rabbinic conversion for Sub-Saharan Africa. He's a third generation rabbinic leader of the community and his grandfather was an apprentice of the founder Seme Kakungulu. Rabbi Gershom studied at the Ziegler School of Rabbinic Studies from 2003 to 2008, including a year at the Schechter Institute in Jerusalem. He's father to five children ages seven to 29 and splits his time between Kampala, the capital of Uganda, where he was also a parliament member from 2016 to 2021 and Mambale, the hub of the Jewish community in the East country near the Kenyan border. Rabbi Gershom, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Nice Thank you. you. So I'm super excited. I, I mean, I can't even tell you how excited <clears throat> to just be in your presence. We just played some music together. And for people that aren't familiar with you, tell a little bit about your childhood growing up and what was life like for you? I grew up in a, a Jewish community of Uganda, which many of you might have known, started in 1919 by Semei Kakunguru, mm -hmm. who circumcised himself and his sons, and began to observe the laws of Torah, rejecting Christianity from the outset. and. Uh, calling himself and his followers Avayudaya, which means the people of Judah. Mm. So I grew up um, during Idi Amin's time, which was very, quite very difficult because when Idi Amin took power in 1971, he forbade Judaism, outlawed Jewish practice, and were not allowed to identify with any Jewish symbols, not even the kippah. So growing up as a child, it was quite difficult. Discrimination and anti-Semitism was at the top. We only prayed for safety because uh, any time Amin would probably pick us and kill us like he did to many people. He killed the, the bishop of the church of Uganda. Imagine, and when that happened, everybody in our community got scared and we lived in fear but we also prayed for his overthrow because a war broke out between tanzania and uganda and that war was because tanzania was supporting ugandan rebels so uh we prayed and amin was overthrown on april 11 19 79 which happened to be passover mm. and from the first time i was in the synagogue for the first time and celebrating freedom from idi amin 
it was double freedom. So as I always say, we drank double four cups of wine, which means eight cups of wine and over. <laughs> so that is uh, my childhood. Uh, he chose to become a rabbi in uh, on that Passover of 1979, as at the age of nine, mm. I told my grandfather that uh, I would want to be a rabbi. And he immediately announced to the crowd at the seder, and the people began to call me rabbi as wow. a name. So mm. in my passport, you will find that it is not Gershomism, it is Rabbi Gershom. So growing up, wow. Even fellow kids would say rabbi, my fellow students, mm. they would call me rabbi, and that was my name mm -hmm. since childhood. But then I had to fight to get my name uh, officially put on me, and that happened when I came to rabbinic school in 2003 and studied for five years, uh, Katase of Bechol Lashon, Mm. an organization here in the in in the bay area in san francisco that uh, uh, paid for all my living expenses tuition and everything and they have done wonderful things in uganda that uh, are not only shared by amongst jewish community but with our non-jewish neighbors the christians mm. and the muslims so that is a quick background of who i am okay mm. Got it. Nahum. So when you were a kid, obviously when you were nine, Idimi was overthrown. You guys celebrated Passover, had eight cups of wine. <laughs> and was it from that moment <clears throat> forward, you were able to freely practice in your community and, and, and you were able to open shuls or to talk about that, like how that how it actually worked in your community? Absolutely. Uh, the new government, after the defeat of Idi Amin in 1979, declared freedoms and freedom of worship was included okay. and since then we've been free to practice although under difficulty because there were some remnants of Amin, Amin's mentality that mm. doubled as uh, local political leaders mm. and so along the way they harassed us I was jailed for teaching music to kids. Wow, how I old were you? Uh, I was, uh, that was 1989, and I was uh, 20 years old. So I, I and three others were jailed for helping to uh, strengthen and uh, uh, give knowledge and empower our children, our younger people. So that was after Idi Amin. How long were you in jail for? We, we were jailed for four days, but oh, okay. jails yeah. in Uganda are like hell, you know? You, no bathroom, no nothing. So you, you, it is so filthy. And you are, as a child, a young man of 20, you are in that situation where they don't even feed you. It is so, it was so bad. Uh, but mm. the more they threatened us, the more strong we became. Mm. And uh, mm. we studied today with my Haverutas, Rabbi Rory Madskin and uh, Rabbi Ilana mm. Zeloni. Mm. And, uh, you know, we were talking about Sadikim mm. have to endure pain and suffering in this world 
in order mm -hmm. to, to to be yeah, the in the world to come and yeah. we, we think that uh, mm -hmm. the pain and suffering and the challenges uh, do strengthen our character and uh, it is good for people to have that we go through pain through fire in order to harden our character which is uh, our jewish character absolutely diamonds are pressed through the crushing of coal right? yes yes and abraham was tested 10 times and exactly. many other examples exactly. okay so beautiful so uh, you covered my first eight questions in the first five <laughs> minutes so we're gonna i want to rewind a little bit and unpack a couple things because it's really fascinating for us to to learn about your community right and yes. so how would you compare how judaism is expressed in your community practice versus what you've experienced here in, the, in North America? Any any differences that would be interesting to note? So originally our community was biblical, so without biblical, without rabbinic, rabbinic tradition. Okay. And so rabbinic Judaism has been adapted, but at a slower pace. We, in the past, used to do like a Paschal sacrifice for Pesach, yeah. the Kurban Pesach. We did uh, observe the laws pertaining to the temple. With one particular synagogue or? Everywhere. Oh. Everywhere in Uganda we used to do, before the rabbinic tradition, we did not know about the Seder. Wow. We didn't know about Hanukkah, for instance. Yeah, that's totally right. It is not in the in yeah. the Bible, right. and we actually knew that meat and milk cannot be eaten together, but uh, chicken we did not know it's, 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 because it's also rabbinic. Yeah. It's also rabbinic, and we did not have the rulav, and we don't still have the rulav for Scott. For Scott, oh. like the arbaminim, I mean, mm -hmm. we we might have the rulav. Mm. But then the Eterog, the Hadas, the Arava, those must come from specific uh, plants right. grown oh, in Israel, not, not in Africa. So we still have some missing links, but uh, we are, uh, after I went to rabbinic school, mm. rabbinic Judaism was fully adapted by my community. Mm. And uh, we can call ourselves Talmudic uh, Jews. And so that's as of 2008, you were ordained? Yes. Okay, so yes. That, so you, you got ordained, you came back, you said, okay, we're going Some rabbinic. Changes. Yes, yes. And everyone was on board? Yes. Or, yeah? Everybody was on because board. Because they, they've known you. And rabbinic life. Judaism made, it, made life easier. Uh -huh. For instance, women in Nida were not allowed into the synagogue. Now yeah. rabbinic Judaism permitted women to come to synagogue. And to participate in the service. Yeah. Mm. Now, I do have a question for you about that because for the Shalosh Regalim, you would essentially, one would think, in temple times, go to Jerusalem, right? Yes. So, how did you work that out within your community in the pre rabbinic Judaism era? We had uh, our center, the main synagogue, okay. and that one acted as Jerusalem. So okay. every Shalosh Ragarim, uh -huh. people would walk from the different villages and the oh. communities and come together. To, to the present day, we have people Amazing. who still walk and come to our main synagogue for the Shalosh Ragarim, including even Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. How far are people coming from? 
for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we have people coming from nearby because uh, it, it is easier yeah. uh, that way. But for Pesach, we have come people from Kampala, from northern Uganda, which is over 200 kilometers away from wow. the center. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm fascinated to hear about this because I just learned this right now. So you would do essentially like one Korban Pesach for the whole community? Yes. Must have been a large well, animal. Yeah. <laughs> just a sheep. Just one. Okay. Oh, but Korban Pesach, you don't eat. I understand. Yes. But um, then we had some other but then you had, uh, that you had, we, they, they used to, to roast. Yes. Because Pesach says don't, don't, don't eat the Korban Pesach. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Wow, that's so fascinating. Okay, so now another question about that. So the, you said the lulav with the different species because you're supposed to get through Israel. So was it because you, you just didn't, weren't able to import them from Israel to use them or because they, why did you not use them? I guess that's my question. Uh, in the past, before rabbinic yeah. Judaism, we didn't know what they were because the, the Torah says you shall take for yourselves branches of beautiful trees and the, the rabbis had to define and agree right. yeah. uh, on which one was a beautiful tree which was actually the etero yeah, yeah. and yeah. the branches of uh, of uh, one other tree palm trees uh, that one is easy that's why i said rulav yeah. rulav means palm tree that one was easy but the the the, the trees of hadas and Aravat were not uh, clear until the rabbinic uh, tradition. It's so, it's so fascinating. I mean, mm-hmm. to within one's lifetime to ha- go from strictly Torah observant Judaism mm-hmm. to rabbinic, and it's incredible. It's <laughs> unique. It's yes, a unique story. That's true. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So now, what about in terms of life now there, in terms of practice or the community? How would you compare anything that you guys are doing similarly or differently in terms of what you've experienced here in North America? We actually have, uh, as I said, adapted rabbinic Judaism. We yeah. have synagogues, nine synagogues in total, nine. and we have Torah in them. Our people read the Torah. Our children are prepared for Bar Mitzvah, for mm-hmm. Bat Mitzvah. Mm-hmm. And we have schools, regular Hebrew schools, mm-hmm. that our kids go to learn Hebrew and Judaism alongside mathematics and science. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a women organization, a youth organization, men's club. All these are active in our community. Brotherhood, exactly. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, so we are, we could say we are a functional Jewish community in mm-hmm. the heart of Africa. I love it. So I was going to ask you a question. In terms of your own personal Jewish journey, why did you choose conservative Judaism? We had a visit by a reform rabbi. Okay. And my grandfather was still alive. Our community started as a strict Torah community, which you would say by practice and uh, by observance, it was almost orthodox, yeah. uh, strict Torah. And uh, so when a reform rabbi came, he said, uh, reform Jews are free, I have a choice that to observe Torah or not, which was contrary to 
to the spirit of the, the founders of the community. Mm -hmm. And so my grandfather said, no, we cannot convert to reform. Mm -hmm. But then uh, we heard and we learned that there was a, a in-between movement mm -hmm. that would make sure that Torah is observed mm -hmm. strictly. Mm -hmm. Observance is uh, done, mm. but also allows for some innovations here and there. Mm -hmm. And we thought that would be good as a younger generation. Mm -hmm. We cannot be just strict, to, but uh, some flexibility, for instance, in terms of women participating mm. in the growth, in the teaching, in the learning, in the leading of our community. Mm -hmm. We thought that uh, the conservative movement had that good mix of observance on one hand, but also flexibility on the other mm. in within the boundaries of halakha and Torah. Got it. Okay, beautiful. And it's so interesting because in America, we were talking, you know, over lunch that mm -hmm. we live certainly in the Bay Area, this very pluralistic world. People float back and forth between reform, conservative, orthodox, Lubavitch over the course of this coming Shabbat, albeit four different types of Jewish communities and Koba Seder, right? The, yes. and, and so I'll be interested to see over the next hundred years how pluralism develops in, within the Jewish community. For sure. And in yes. Africa too, right? Yes. As, as people learn. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about music because I have many musical questions for you. <laughs> so yes. first question, how yes. old were you when you wrote your first song? And what was it, if you remember? I, I remember that uh, I am the one who wrote Le Chadodi. I loved it. And that was So that was So we had a, 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 like one a, a, a transition from Idi Amin okay. because Idi Amin had almost the 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 outlawing of Judaism had discouraged so many people. And so we wanted a comeback, especially yeah. for the youth. We wrote simple songs that can, could be easily sung, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. people could easily learn and participate in the service and identify with it. So we, we had that transition from 1981 to 1983. Mm -hmm. And so I uh, must have written Rehado D in 1982 after my bar mitzvah and uh, 13. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow, your first song was a hit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I told you I was arrested teaching those very songs to other children. There, well, there is a great historical precedent for Jewish teachers getting arrested for teaching. Yes. Judaism. So yes. You're, you're following a long line of rebellion. <laughs> yes. Regard. And uh, that makes me proud that the arrest did not discourage me. Yes, only encouraging absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, Lechado D. And so your community released several albums, musical albums, right? One which was nominated for a Grammy, but there was one before that. Um, we were talking about that a little bit earlier. And what I found fascinating, you can talk a little bit about this so people can understand. So when I heard those first albums, 
I thought to myself, wow, this is like Adoni Olamu, like <laughs> they're adding some vowels. And mm -hmm. what I wondered was, maybe this is a new form of Yiddish, which could essentially be a, a, a you know, coming together of, could be German and Hebrew, or Spanish and Hebrew, or maybe it was African and Hebrew. That's what I thought initially. Oh, maybe mm -hmm. this is a hybrid language. But then today you're telling me, it's actually, no, it was just the Africanization of the Hebrew language. Yes. And then, uh, but what I was fascinating to hear today was that it's it's changed over time. So just talk a little bit about that. So because Ugandan languages, mostly the Uganda that we speak, and the Bantu, mm -hmm. uh, like related dialects, mm -hmm. all of them have a vowel at the end of each word. You cannot say any word without a vowel at the end. You can't say my name. It's Saulu. Yeah. Uh -huh. Saulu. Saulo. Actually, they say Saulo. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they put it all at the end. Okay. Okay. And uh, uh, even. So like Shalom. 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 So it is. It was very oh. difficult. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that is what informed our Hebrew as well. So when I came to rabbinic school, I was taught in an old pan by two wonderful Israeli teachers. Mm -hmm. And uh, they made sure I don't pronounce Hebrew words with vowels at the end because that could change the meaning. Yeah, uh, a singular can become plural yeah. if you, you put U at the end of it. Mm -hmm. So we learned how to do sounds in Hebrew and I went back, taught members of the community, and that cultural influence over Hebrew is we are getting over it. Okay, I, I thought it was beautiful. I didn't think see it as a negative at all, but it's fascinating. <laughs> it would make you our our community unique. Yeah, it's the history of the etymology. Okay, beautiful. Yes. Okay, there's a couple things that I that I want to cover as well before we before we wrap up here. And you know, obviously, you experienced anti-Semitism growing up. I mean, you were arrested. You had this whole thing like. What is it like there now, certainly given the current climate of what's happening in the world? Have you have you noticed anything? Has it changed? Is it not in your area anymore? We have uh, worked towards Tikkun Olam. Every time I come to the US, I fundraise for something. I, for instance, I fundraised for drilling of Kirini water because you could die drinking water mm -hmm. from open wells. Mm -hmm. I fundraised for a clinic. Mm -hmm. Of course, through Behola Shon. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I also fundraised for mosquito nets mm -hmm. and other projects that help improve life. Okay. That's why I call it Tikunola. And uh, what is interesting that we opened up our progress to our non-Jewish neighbors, creating peace in the name mm -hmm. of peace. Mm -hmm. And uh, we wanted that uh, hatred and bigotry to disappear mm. by way of love and peace, you know, mm -hmm. love and uh, peace can sort of dissolve hatred and bigotry. Okay. And it helped, yeah. it has worked in Uganda. Amazing. It is the reason why I became a member of parliament. People, people looked yeah. at uh, how we were, we received them mm. and how we talk to them and how we share. Mm -hmm. And they said, I think he's the best person to be a member of parliament. And actually, 
when I went to parliament, I brought electricity to 400 villages, mm. bought an ambulance mm. so that people's, uh, people who were in emergency mm. could go. Uh, so instead of uh, money for the car, they give us money to buy cars. I said, mm. I don't need a car. A, an expensive car. So I bought a less expensive car and the, most of the money balanced from the car uh, payment was was turned into an ambulance mm -hmm. and has saved lives. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So that has helped improve our the image and their relationship with our neighbors. That's amazing. What, what else did you learn from being in parliament? You were there for five years? I was there for five years. And what did you learn and would you do it again now? I know that going to Parliament of Uganda mostly is to use a pos your position yeah. to lobby, lobby government and other organizations mm -hmm. to work for our people mm -hmm. because government has limited resources. Mm -hmm. Those resources are redirected according to their but now, we, as a member of parliament, we tell them, listen, there is suffering here. We need to do this and that. You just mentioned when you come here, you fundraise. Are you fundraising for something right now that we can know about and possibly contribute to? Yes. Yeah, tell us about that. Actually, our community has been subsistence farming since its inception because most of our people did not go to school mm. for fear of converting to Christianity. Schools were run by missionaries, mm. and missionaries required people to convert to Christianity. As a result, they boycotted school mm. and resorted to farming. Mm. Subsistence farming is a pain because we all depend on rain. There's no mm -hmm. mechanization. And if there is a, a drought or if uh, there's too much rain, crops fail and people really suffer. Mm -hmm. So we, I thought that our people need to transition from that economy, the subsistence economy, mm -hmm. to a commercial economy. Mm -hmm. And we have created a microcredit program. Oh. That program is providing almost free interest loans mm -hmm. to members of the community and later to the non-members of the community if, if our people can be established economically. So we provide loans of uh, at least $1,000 mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for an individual who wants to start a small business. And then we see how that progresses. If, if the, the business is successful and they come for more, we, uh, the microcredit can provide more funds as they pay back in little bits mm -hmm. and those little bits can be given to another person. So it is a, an ongoing project. Amazing. Okay, so here in the Bay Area, $1,000 is like two trips to Whole Foods. <laughs> yes. So give us a sense of what can $1,000 do in Uganda for someone starting a business uh -huh. so we know the impact. Exactly. So it can start a business, for instance, $1,000 can start a chicken business, like a broiler's chicken for meat. Okay. And uh, somebody can start that business with uh, about 200 chickens okay. that, that can be sold after one or two months and he, gets a pro or he or she gets a profit on that amount. Amazing. Uh, yeah. And uh, the, the, 
my colleague and friend and mentor and rabbi teacher rabbi richard cameras who is a rabbi at hamacom los angeles mm -hmm. is in charge of this trip and this fundraising for uh, microcredit program he has established a link which is hamacom l a l a hamacom l a mm -hmm. dot org and if you go there and you want to support our community transition mm -hmm. you must designate that donation or gift to our microcredit. Okay, great. And we'll have links below where you can do that. Exactly. And do you guys have a specific goal you're raising for right now, or is it more kind of ongoing? Actually, we have, uh, because the community is big, yeah. every fundraising we are thinking about um, maybe 10 people. 10 people, yeah. as in $10,000? Uh, yes, like okay. $10,000 that okay. uh, can be given to 10 people to, to, to do a business. So last time we gave 10,000, uh, we gave to 10 people. Okay. And uh, we are also going to give, if we get some money this trip, we can give to 10 people okay. like that. Amazing. So if you're listening, there'll be a link below on the YouTube or the podcast and definitely give as you're able. It's, it's, it's the season of miracles. And last night we led the first night of first candle for Hanukkah and we sat around in our family we sat around telling stories of miracles that have happened in our lives exactly. and it, it was amazing so uh, give us a bit of the Torah about Hanukkah yeah Hanukkah is a, a, a celebration of victory of the powers of good over the powers of evil and this is what we've been struggling about as Jewish people. Every generation says uh, in, in, in Haggadah, Haggadah at Passover, mm -hmm. it says that in every generation they have tried to eliminate us, like Alotainu. Mm -hmm. But Hakadosh Baruchu has always been on our side. And this is the theme of living as a Jew. Whether you are in Uganda, Israel or the United States, there is that uh, threat and it could be anti-Semitism, it could be war, terrorism like in Israel, it could be assimilation, you know, assimilation. like mm -hmm. in the US mm -hmm. and other places, mm -hmm. even in Uganda, mm -hmm. that could lead to the extermination of the Jewish people. But we have to resist it. And you know that uh, the story of Yosef begins in Pesach because he, he, he did not face a threat from being killed. His threat was uh, assimilation. Mm -hmm. He was in Egypt, he became a king of, a, a king of Egypt mm -hmm. and who married mm -hmm. an Egyptian wife, woman, the daughter of Potiphar. Mm -hmm. There was a risk that uh, Ephraim and Menashe wouldn't be Jewish, or even mm -hmm. Yosef, mm -hmm. but then he resisted. And uh, it is the same as the Maccabees, mm -hmm. who, who were faced by war, whereas Joseph was faced by the threat of assimilation. Mm -hmm. uh, the Maccabees were faced by the threat of war. And, uh, you know, we have, so, we have to resist those forces of evil so that we can survive 
and we pray that God should always be on our side. Amen, amen, beautiful. Okay, final question. I certainly would love to sit and speak to you for a few hours, but we know you're very busy and uh, you've come a long way to, to deliver some light to our community, so I appreciate you. Thank you. So what do you feel the Jewish world needs now most and why? Uh, we are in a difficult uh, situation where everybody is demonstrating against Israel over Palestine, as if Israel started this war. The war was started by Palestine, but then Israel is now considered to be more evil than those who started the war. I think it is time to pray for peace. It is time to pray that uh, the forces of evil can be defeated. And of course, we sympathize with families of innocent Palestinians who have unfortunately died in a war because war does not discriminate. It kills frogs, birds, cats, dogs. So that happens and it is unfortunate that war happened. So it is, it is my, in my prayer that uh, peace, a peaceful resolution be reached and that uh, the forces of evil be defeated. That's what is, uh, Jewish people all over the world need now. I can hear that song. Well, I really appreciate your time. And as always on the Holy Sparks podcast, I want to end with a blessing. So Hashem should bless you that mm-hmm. your uh, current mission with fundraising for microloans should be overfunded right mm-hmm. and and from that ripple you know every person is their own world and from every every ripple of good deeds it should ripple out into the community creating goodwill between both you and your neighbors here in uganda but between you and our communities here and that your music should be sung for generations to come and mm-hmm. hashem should bless you with safe travels safe coming and safe going and to uh keep bringing the light that we so desperately need amen Sarah. Thank you, my brother. Okay. See you on next week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Holy Sparks Podcast. I'm your host, Saul K. Please subscribe. It helps the podcast. Share this with friends and family whom you think would be inspired by the content. And we will see you on our next episode.